Good morning. Thank you guys so much for being in church. I got to give you guys some really good news. I know why you're so excited about singing about your salvation because you guys are saved. I mean, you're in church on Sunday morning. You sprung, got out of bed an hour early, right? It's spring break. It's a beautiful day. There's a lot of places you could be, and you chose to be in church today. So congratulations. I can hereby tell you you're saved. So that's great news. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series today, as Joy said. I'm really excited about it. Um, how many of you know about Jesus? Just quick show of hands. That's good, right? Isn't it awesome to know about Jesus? Um, but you know, there's, there's something actually more than that. How many of you don't just know about Jesus, but you actually know Jesus? Because that's a whole different thing, right? That's like, that's a whole nother level. But there's actually something more than that. How many of you would say that you believe in Jesus? Not just you believe he exists, but you've put your faith in him and you've put your trust in him and you fully believe that he is your salvation. That's different, right? That's a whole nother level, but there's something else. This series is about following Jesus. It's a whole, it's a whole nother thing, man. Following Jesus is, is something different than knowing about Jesus, and it's different even than knowing Jesus, and it's different even than really believing in Jesus. Following Jesus is something more um, most people, I think we can agree, in this room, um, would say that they consider themselves to be Jesus followers. And truthfully, most people in our county consider themselves to be Jesus followers. And realistically, most people in our state consider themselves to be Jesus followers. And the truth is, most people in our country consider themselves to be Jesus followers, but since we're really the saved people, I'll ask you, do you think it's possible that some of those people consider themselves to be Jesus followers, but Jesus doesn't see them as followers? Do you think that's possible? you think that's likely? Would you say that's a hard fact? I, I think it is, and do you think it's possible that maybe that's at least partially because Jesus has a different definition than they do about what it is to be a follower. I think maybe that's what it is. I think what we consider to be a follower and what Jesus considers to be a follower may not always be kind of the exact same thing. So I spent a lot of time this week thinking about what it is to follow Jesus, to really be a follower of his. Um, how many of you know Cristiano Ronaldo? He's the mayor of Bulverde, right? No, he's, uh, put the picture up, Matt. He's a Portuguese soccer player, and he's, some people say, the best soccer player in the world or whatever, who cares, it's only soccer, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this, this guy has 558 million followers on social media. He has more followers on social media than America has citizens. He has a lot of followers. And his followers really, really like him. 
But as his followers, they haven't really made much of a commitment to him, you know? I mean, it's really more like, yeah, he, you know, he's cool. I'll follow him on Instagram. I'll follow him on Facebook. So I'll, you know, I'll watch his videos and I'll like his posts. I'll buy his merch, right? Now, that's what it is. I'm, I'm a follower. And I think some people may think that they're Jesus followers like that, right? Like, like Jesus, yeah, he's cool. You know, I'll, I'll read his stuff. I'll watch his videos. I'll follow him on social media. I'll like what he has to say. I'll buy his merch or whatever. So I think on social media and also in real life, that's, that's kind of what following someone has come to mean to us now. It's more like, like being a fan, right? That's what it means to us to follow somebody. But remember I say it's important for us to remember that the Bible was written for us, but it wasn't written to us. So we have to be really careful when we're just cut and pasting words from the Bible into our life. We have to ask ourselves, like, what did it mean to them, right? What, what did it mean to follow someone in first century Israel? When, when Peter, what did Peter think? What did Andrew think? What did James think? What did Matthew think he meant when Jesus said, follow me? What did they think it meant? Yeah, it was a lot different. It wasn't liking them on social, right? It was, it was a lot more than that. It, 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 what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? It's different than, I think, our current definition. In, in, in first century Israel, rabbis were like a super important part of society, right? The rabbi was a big deal. Rabbi means like teacher or master. And so there was like different kinds of rabbis. Some of them were like um, pastors or teachers. And so you could go to school or you could go to synagogue and they would teach you. And then like some, of, some other rabbis were more like mentors, right? And so um, they were like, if they were really good, they would be like in high demand. And so like young men would come up to them and ask them to disciple them. They would just go up to them and say, can I follow you? Can I become your disciple? And that wasn't talking about just listening to their teaching. It wasn't talking about just reading their books or liking their TikTok videos or something. It was, it was about leaving what they were doing and following. It was about completely committing to following them. And I love the stories. You love the stories of people following Jesus, right? Remember the fishermen? Jesus just said to them, follow me. And what did they do? They dropped their nets immediately, the Bible says, and followed him. Matthew was a tax collector. And he's working in the tax collector's booth or whatever, his little, his little office with his calculator. He's living his life. He's doing his stuff. He's a very, very wealthy person. He's living this life. And Jesus comes up and says, follow me. And he, okay, I'm in. He walks out. And everything just changes for him. I love those stories in the Bible about Jesus saying, follow me, and people just doing it. But it, was, it wasn't just listening to his teaching. It was literally leaving their jobs, leaving their homes, leaving their families, leaving their lives, leaving everything to go where Rabbi Jesus went, right? To follow him, to do what he did, to hang out with him 24-7. A follower of a rabbi was kind of like um, Luke Skywalker following Yoda, right? It wasn't, it wasn't uh, the goal wasn't to learn from the rabbi. The goal was to become like the rabbi, 
right? And so they weren't just learning from him, they were imitating him and everything they did. So they would use the same words. They would use the same gestures. They would develop the same habits. If the rabbi was a fast walker, then the follower became a fast walker. If at mealtime, the, the, if the rabbi eats his dessert first, then the follower eats his dessert first. If the rabbi flossed in the morning, then the follower flossed in the morning. That's what it was. They didn't just listen to lectures. They didn't just take notes. They literally followed the rabbi. They went where he went. They slept where he slept. They ate what he ate. They did what he did. In fact, there was a common expression in those days that said, a true follower, a true follower should be dusty. He should be following the rabbi so closely that he was covered with the dust that was kicked up from the sandals of the rabbi. That's what it meant to follow, and that's what Jesus' original followers thought he meant. And I think that is what Jesus meant when he said, follow me. Not, not just knowing about him, not just learning from him, not even just having a relationship with him, imitating him and going where he went and, and doing what he did and acting like him and talking like him and living like him. So here's a question. Was that easy for Jesus' followers then? No, right? Is it easy for Jesus' followers now? Not always, right? Did Jesus say it was gonna be easy? I, he didn't. In fact, it, it, I keep looking, I'm seeing all these warnings that he gave people, right? So this is in Luke 9. He, Jesus has just told everybody that he's gonna be betrayed. All the people that he loved are gonna turn against him, and then they're gonna torture him to death and kill him. And then he goes, so if you wanna follow me, <laughs> Right, so look, look what he says. This is, uh, I just told everybody, he's gonna be betrayed, he's gonna be killed. Verse 23, not Luke 9, 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And if you wanna hang on to your life, you'll lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. It seems like kind of obvious. If you, if you wanna be a follower, what do you have to do? You have to follow, right? But he, he says that. Following Jesus doesn't just mean knowing about Jesus. It doesn't just mean knowing Jesus. It doesn't just mean believing in Jesus. It doesn't mean just reading his stuff and liking his posts and, and buying his merch. It means doing what he did and saying what he said and living like he lived and, and living and loving and doing and being like Jesus. Following means giving up your way giving up your old life and accepting his new life. And Jesus was pretty clear that that wasn't easy and that it wasn't supposed to be easy. Um, what do you think he meant by this part? He says you have to daily take up your cross. What is that? Take up your cross and follow me. Um, what that's about is in, in Rome in the first century, one of the common ways that you would get the death penalty was crucifixion. Right? And so when somebody got the death penalty, you kind of like showed that you were accepting your fate by carrying your own cross. As remember when Jesus carried his cross to Calvary, that was him saying, yeah, I, I accept the sentence of the, of the government here. I, 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 that was him saying, I accept that my life is over and I'm accepting what Rome has for me 
instead of what I want for myself. So when Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross, he, he's talking about every day choosing to, to give up on your life, to, to give up on your plans, to, to, to die to your old life, to forget about your ways and accept the life that he has for you. Um, in Luke 14, 25, he gives like another warning. Um, this says, a large crowd was following him and he turned around to him and he said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my follower, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, if you don't give up your ways, if you don't abandon your plans, if you don't change from your way of life to his way of life, you can't be my disciple. So he says, don't begin until you count the cost. What's he saying? Like, he's saying my focus, my passion is so great that if anything matters to you, anywhere near as much as following me, you're not gonna be a true follower. You're not going to make it as my disciple. And I think a lot of people are asking today, and I, they probably asked back then, can't we just, like, kind of follow Jesus, right? Can't we, like, how about I'll go to church twice a month, and then the other two days I won't? How about, how about I, I, I will only get drunk every other weekend? How about that? Or how about this? I'll go to church every other weekend. I'll get drunk every other weekend. How about, how about that? How about, I, how about I lie less than I lie now? How about that? I'll kind of follow. I'll sort of follow Jesus. How about, I'll, I can't, I can't, how about I'll act 20% nicer than I'm acting right now? Right? Can't we just keep some of our favorite parts of our old life? And then also adopt some of our favorite parts of the new life. Can't we, can't we kind of, sort of follow Jesus? And that sounds good, right? You guys in for that? We can start our own religion. Uh, because that's not Christianity. That's not, that's not following Jesus. Jesus kind of answered that question uh, in Matthew 19 in the famous story, the story of the rich young ruler. You guys remember that story? This guy's a, he's a believer, man. He's a good guy. He's rich, and he's young, and he's a ruler. He's, he's a big shot. He's a big deal, and he's a fan of Jesus, and he comes up to Jesus, and he goes, okay, well, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you know what to do? Keep the rules, man. You got, you got the old covenant right in front of you. You know, don't, don't kill, don't steal, honor your parents, keep the Sabbath, right? You get to follow all these rules, and the rich young ruler's like, check, I've already done that. What else? Like, what else you got? And Jesus said, well, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to really be mature, if you want to really experience God's kingdom, if you really want the perfect experience, then give all your money and stuff to the poor and then come follow me. And remember, the guy couldn't pull the trigger. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. And so the Bible says he just went away sad. Here's what I want us to see. Did Jesus want him to be poor? Did Jesus need for him to be poor? No. He just wanted him to be all in. Right? He just wanted to remove these distractions. He wanted 
He wanted following him to be more important than everything else. He didn't want anything else to be even nearly as important as following Jesus. Not his whole life, not his money, not his stuff, nothing. Jesus is saying like, if you're, if you're not willing to set everything else aside to follow me, then you can be, you can be a fan, you can be a fan, but you're not a follower unless you're literally following me. Followers follow, right? So um, let's talk about this Ronaldo, this soccer player. Matt, you have that other picture of him? Let's say that you say, I want, to pl- I, want to, I want to be his follower, right? I want to play soccer like him. I want to have my body look like his. I want to, I'm going to, I want to follow him and be exactly like him. Only thing is, I'm not willing to work out, <laughs> right? I'll, I'll get the haircut. I'll wear those shorts. I mean, I'll, I'll get some, I'll do, I'll do most of the stuff, that, but I'm not going to work out. Well, I want to be a follower, but I don't want to do the stuff that he does. You see, why that, you see why that won't work. He works out 12 hours a day or something. So you can't really say I'm going to follow him unless you're going to go where he do- goes, unless you're going to do what he does. It's really, really important that we get this concept. Followers follow. That's what it means. It doesn't mean we agree with. It doesn't mean we think he's cool. Followers do what their leader does. In fact, I have a great idea for an illustration um, this might be stupid. You guys ever something stupid? What the heck, right? <laughs> it's just us. Um, so I'll need, um, let's say, three volunteers. Okay, it needs to be somebody who's a good dancer. Alan, come on up, Alan. Come on up. I'm looking for the people that look down and don't make eye contact. Jesse? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Danny, come on. How many is that, three? Eli is saying Shane. Okay, Shane, come on up. Here's what we'll do. Let's get you guys stationed over here. Like, Alan, you get right over here in the brightest light. That's most important. I want you to show. And Jesse, over this way just a little bit. Come over here, Danny. Okay, let's, let, let's do it like this. And Shane, you're going to be the leader, okay? Wow. You guys remember, follow the leader. Step up. Why are you holding back? Push forward, man. So you guys remember the game, follow the leader, right? And so let's just say, and it's true, Shane is, no kidding, a world-class dancer. <laughs> He's famous. I mean, he, even Eli said, send him up, right? He's an amazing dancer. So he, he, you're grounded, he said. Okay, so here's, here's what's going to happen. Use the force. Use the force. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to play a song of music and just for a minute, right? And Shane is going to dance. He's the leader. He's the leader. And his followers are going to follow, okay? So whatever he does, you guys do. I mean, you won't do it as good as Shane because that goes without saying. Do the best you can, and you can't do your own thing, and you can't just stand there. If you're following him, that means you're doing what he's doing. Okay, we have music? I'll get out of the way. 
Oscar. Is that enough? Okay, that's good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Congratulations. Oh, that was awful. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. He's an elder. That's just humiliating. Uh, I mean, I think I'm done with that part of the sermon. Fo followers follow, right? And following Jesus doesn't mean knowing him. It doesn't mean believing in him. It doesn't mean liking him. Those, those things are great if you're a fan, right? But following Jesus means being all in. It means going where he goes and doing what he does and living like he lives and loving like he loves. And so following Jesus takes a lot of faith, right? Because it's saying, I'm gonna follow you wherever you go. It's a big commitment, right? I'm gonna do the stuff that you do. I'm gonna live like you live. I'm gonna act like you act, and, and even if it's crazy, and even if it's embarrassing, right? And even if it's scary, or even if it's hard, and I'm gonna depend on your strength to empower me to do this. So it's a really big commitment to follow Jesus. It's a big choice to make. It's not something to be taken lightly. Um, it's kind of the same choice that Adam and Eve had in the garden, right? They knew God. They knew God, they talked to him every day. They, they believed in God, they'd seen him. They talked to him all the time, but he gave them this choice of how they would live that was illustrated by two trees, right? They could choose the tree of life. They could fully trust his ways. They could trust his definition of good and evil. They could trust him for protection and for provision and for power and for love and for life or they could eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that meant that they would decide what was good and what was evil, and they would protect themselves, and they would provide for themselves, and they would love themselves, and they would figure out their own ways. And so we have that same choice. We, we, can, we can try to choose for ourselves what's right and wrong and good and bad, and we can depend on ourselves for protection and power and provision and direction and love and life or we can choose from the tree of life, from, from the cross, and we can follow Jesus. We can learn from his word and be empowered by his spirit and follow his example. So for the next several weeks, we're gonna look at several aspects of where Jesus went and what Jesus did and how Jesus lived. And we're gonna see that Jesus lived in community, we're gonna see that Jesus gave sacrificially, that he served humbly, that he loved passionately, and that he lived victoriously. And then we're gonna look at ways we can follow him. And we're gonna say, what would it look like for us as his followers? What would it look like for us to live in community and to give sacrificially and to serve humbly and to love passionately and to live victoriously? And then,
we have to choose, right? Will we, will we live our way and be Jesus' fans or will we lay down our way and pick up the cross and follow Jesus? Doesn't that sound like fun? It's, it's, gonna, it's, gonna be a little, it's gonna be a little challenging for us. Um, so we're gonna start easy today, just real briefly. We're gonna look at the idea that Jesus lived in community. If we're gonna be Jesus followers, we're gonna do what he did. And what he did was he lived his life in community. He surrounded himself with people. Um, when he started his ministry, one of the very first things Jesus did was go around and call his disciples. And he wasn't calling them for a weekend. Right? He wasn't calling them for just, oh, let's get together and went for coffee or something like that. He was calling them to spend the rest of his life together so that they could grow and experience Jesus together as a community, so that they could experience each other in him. He brought them into community. Jesus lived his whole history in community. Back in the, in the beginning, before time, he lived eternally in community with the Father and with the Son. And then on earth, Jesus spent his time with groups. If you read through the New Testament, right? There was one group of people that he hung out with that was like a big group of disciples. It was 72 people, right? There was another group of apostles that he hung out with. It was 12 people, kind of like our life groups that we have here. There was another smaller group of people, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus spent most of his time in at least one of those communities. And even in those communities, they didn't hide out from the rest of the world. They weren't off in the wilderness or off in some monastery or something. They were where the people were. They were going to towns and synagogues and dinners and weddings and parties and funerals. Matthew 4 said that everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds. Everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds. Is that because Jesus was not able to get away from them? Jesus, he does what he wants, right? He, he could have gotten away from him. He chose to live in community. Here's my question for you. Did Jesus need that community? I don't think so. I mean, he did pretty good creating everything out of nothing. I think Jesus was probably fine on his own. I don't think Jesus needed the support and all that stuff of a community, but I think he did that to be a model for us because Jesus knew people need people. Jesus knew that people were designed for community. Jesus knew that we're better together. I mean, in the very beginning, think about this. The first commandment, the first thing that God told humanity to do was to multiply, right? To be fruitful and multiply, to, to become a family, to become a community. He knew we were designed to do life together. He knew that because he's the one that designed us. It's that, he knew that that's how we best thrive. He knew that that's how we best flourish. And then think about this, after Jesus went back to heaven, he didn't assign the, continua the continuation of his work to a person. He assigned the continuation of his work to a community. He established the church, right, the body of Christ. What was that? It was a group of followers. It was a community that was empowered by his spirit to continue his work. And Acts 2 tells us how they lived. They ate together, they learned together, they prayed together, they worshiped together, they shared their stuff together. They were bearing each other's burdens and praying for each other. They were the original followers of Jesus. These were the people that he chose to continue his work on earth, and they did life in community. And so community is the way Jesus lived. Community is the way that God originally designed us to thrive. Community is the way that Jesus set up his followers to live. 
And community is the way the New, the New Testament instructs us to live. In fact, most of the instructions in the New Testament are not given to us as individuals. Most of the instruction in the New Testament is given to a community of people. In fact, here's a fun linguistic fact. In English, the word you can be singular or plural, right? So a man can say to his wife, I love you. How many people is he talking to? One. I went to a concert one time, uh, Hillsong, and there's about 10,000 people in the room. And the guy gets up there, and the first thing he said is, are you ready to worship? How many people was he talking to? 10,000. So you, in English, can be either singular or plural. We don't have a plural you. Well, we do, but it's slang. We can't even agree on it, right? We can't even agree how to say plural you. So let's go to the chart. Here's what I learned this week. Plural, if it's you, if it's one person, it's just you, right? But how do we say multiple, right? How do we play plural you? Here's what I learned. In the north and the north west, I was raised in New Mexico, and they, for plural you, say you guys, right? And then over like in New York and New Jersey, and they still say use. I don't know where they get that. And then that in the top says that some people in Pittsburgh say yins. I never even heard that. Is, is that true? Is anybody here? Can you verify that? Is that what they say? I mean, I know it's true. It was on the internet, so I know it's true, but <laughs> you're saying that's a real thing? So they say yins, and then like on the kind of eastern seaboard, Kentucky and the Carolinas and down there, some of those people say you all, right? And then, of course, in Texas, we say it the Christian way. Right? What, what do we say? We say y'all. And even for really big groups, we even might say all y'all. Right? <laughs> but that's, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the best of those bad ways to say it. But in actual, correct, formal English grammar, like most of our Bibles are written in, in English, the word you is singular and plural. But that's not true in Greek. In Greek, there are completely separate words for you and for y'all. So in Greek, the word su means you, and the word hyemis means y'all. That is fascinating stuff right there, isn't it? <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for the grammar lesson, Larry. Um, but this really matters because most of the instruction in the New Testament is not written to you. It's written to y'all. It's not written to me. It's not written to you. It's written to us. And that really matters if we're really trying to understand what it's really trying to say to us. So like in Matthew 6, Jesus is gonna teach us how to pray. And do you remember what he said? Pray like this, our Father. Do you see how different that is than me saying my Father? Because if I say our father, what does that make us? That makes us family, man. That makes us brothers and sisters. That changes everything. It changes, this word really matters. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. He's showing us that we're supposed to live this life in community. This, this, this one thing of you and y'all changes everything when you read through the New Testament. Here's a couple of passages you know. Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Great verse. We've all heard that verse a million times, right? But you know what it really says? 
what it really says is, Matt put it up there, for God is working in y'all. That's what it says. That's what it says. It's plural. Giving y'all the desire and the power to do what pleases him. What he's saying is he's giving us all together the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus said, be sure of this, I'm with you to the ends of the age. But what he really said is, be sure of this, I am with y'all even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying he is with us. He, his presence, he is with us in our community. And we're supposed to do life in community. Look at, uh, this is the best one, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you? But what it really says is don't you realize that y'all are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives in y'all? Think about what that means. God's spirit lives in a temple that is made up of us together, right? God's, God's presence lives in our community. So one more Greek thing and I'll get off the Greek. There's another really interesting word in Greek, alanon. It means one another or each other. And in the New Testament, there are about 60 specific instructions on how to treat each other, how to relate to each other, how to honor each other. It says, he gives you all these instructions for one another, right? Build up one another, encourage one another, teach one another, love one another, comfort one another, exhort, forgive, motivate, be kind, submit to one another. 60 different ways God speaks to us in the New Testament about how to live in community. And one of the best ways is what Jesus said in John 13, 34. He said, now I'm giving you all a new commandment. Love each other. That's Al-Anon, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, each other, will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Jesus is saying that the way we live in community and the way that we encourage each other and forgive each other and comfort each other and love each other is what proves that we're his followers. And it's what draws people to him. So let's ball it all up here, right? God designed us in the garden to live in community. The example of the early church was to live in community. The New Testament is full of instructions about how to live in community. In fact, most of the instructions in the New Testament are written to us who are living in community. Jesus lived in community. If we're his followers, we will live in community, encouraging each other and forgiving each other and comforting each other and motivating each other and praying for each other and being kind to each other and building up each other and loving each other. That's part of what it is to follow Jesus. And we already said this, it's not always easy, right? It's not always easy to live in communion because some people are EGR. Remember what that stands for? Extra grace required, right? And some people are PIB. Remember what that stands for? Pain in the butt, right? And that, not this service, but like in the second service, some of those people, right? So living in community isn't always easy. Following Jesus isn't always easy. It's a choice we have to make to choose to lay down our ways and pick up his cross and follow him. And an important part of following Jesus is living in community. And I know it's a big jump for some people because we're all at different stages, right? We're all at different phases of following Jesus. We're all at different phases of understanding and getting involved in the community. Some of us are completely immersed in following Jesus. We're completely immersed in, in community, and some are maybe just checking it out and just kind of sticking our toe in the water a little bit. So just real quick before we go, I want to offer you some potential like small steps, right? Um, for wherever you are, 
for wherever you are. However immersed you are in community, you're not as immersed as Jesus. And so if you want to follow Jesus, we need to take another step towards that. So what if today you said, okay, I want to be a follower, not a fan. I, I want to check out life and community. What can I do? What, what, what step can I take in his footprints? How can I experience just a little more of, of life in the Christian community than I am now? So there's going to be 10 super quick ideas, potential steps to consider to experience Christian community. It starts with Hebrews 10.25, which says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So the number one suggestion I have to experience the Christian community is to go to church. How many of you already go to church? No, most. Oh, that's good. Um, how, many, how many of you are in church right now? Oh, yeah, more than I thought. That's good. Um, so what steps could you take then? You're already here. Well, maybe you could go from going to church occasionally to going to church regularly. Maybe you could go from going to church once or twice a month to going three or four times a month. Maybe you could go from being a visitor to a regular attender. Maybe you could go from being a regular attender to being a member. Maybe you could go from being mostly online to being mostly in person. Number one way you can experience Christian community, go to church. Number two way, get in a life group. Man, guys, you gotta get in a life group. If you're not in a life group, can I tell you this in love? You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Jesus did it. You can't tell me Jesus needed the support. He did that because he wanted us to see that's how we're supposed to do it. He hung out with 12 guys all the time. They laughed together. We know they went to parties together. We know they went to funerals together, right? They did everything. They ate together. They worked together. They suffered together. They rooted for each other. They encouraged each other when it was going bad. They, they congratulated each other and partied together when it was going good. Life is meant to be lived this way. So he had a group of 12. That's kind of what a life group is, just a group of people that you can hang out with. If you're not in a life group, then you are going to burn. No, I'm just kidding. If you're not... <laughs> If you're not in a life group, you should get in a life group. So Shane was up here. He's not only an expert dancer, he's also in charge of life groups at this church. And so he's going to have a table out in the lobby today. If you're thinking, I don't know, maybe I should check this thing out, just go talk to him. And he'll tell you what we have, what kind of life group might be a good life group for you. Tell him what you need, what night you could meet, what kind of cake you like, or whatever it is, and he'll help you find a life group that's right for you. Okay, what's another one? Maybe you could lead a life group. Right? Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you're already in a life group. Maybe it's time for you to step up and start leading a life group. You don't have to be a great, we're not looking for great teachers to lead life groups. We're looking for people that love people well. So if you, if you qualify for that, you think you might like to lead a life group, talk to Shane. Maybe we'll start a life group and you can lead it. Uh, here's another one. You could join one of our disciple-making groups. These are much smaller groups. So like right now, for example, I'm going with three other guys. We meet uh, about an hour and a half once a week, and we experience Jesus together. We pray together. We listen to him together. We worship together. We serve together. We read the Bible together and try to understand what it means together. After about three or four months, those three guys are going to each take three more guys and do the same thing with them. That's our disciple-making groups. Maybe that's a way that you could experience Christian community. Um, we have a marriage event coming up on March 25th. And, uh, that, I mean, if you're married, you should be working on your marriage. 
right? I mean, you, keep, you, you do maintenance on your car, right? If, you're, if, you're, if, you, if you would like your marriage to be 50% better or 1% better, you should be working on your marriage. Why not work on it in community? So Fabian and Dahlia are in here somewhere. They will be at a table. They're in the back over there. They'll be at a table. When you leave here, ask them, well, what, is, what does that thing look like? How could I get involved? How could I experience community through this marriage event? Um, here's another one. You could build the community by inviting someone into the community. Some people say, yeah, you know what? I don't have any friends at church. So you got a couple of options. You could make friends at church. That's a good one. Another one is you could invite your friends to church, right? That would be a way you could participate in Christian community. Here's another one. You could pray with someone. How about that? We, I mean, we've all prayed for someone, right? But in a true Christian community, we also pray together. Here's another one. We could encourage someone in our community. Right? That's one of the one another's that I talked about. That's one of the things that the Bible instructs us to do in community is to encourage. What would that look like? To just encourage somebody else. Another one of the one another's is to bear each other's burdens. What would that look like for you to support someone or come alongside someone or help somebody that's struggling here in this community? Um, number 10, you could join our guest services team and welcome people into the community. When you walked in today, somebody was nice to you at the door. Maybe they showed you where to park, or they served you a donut, or they helped you find a seat or something. That's guest services. And that's a great way to experience community, and it's also a great way to promote community within our church. So those are 10 ways. There's a million other ways that you can experience Christian community. Does that sound hard and scary to some people? Yes. But one thing Jesus came to do was to model for us how we were designed to live so that we could thrive and so that we could flourish like God originally planned. So if you want to thrive, if you want to flourish, if you want to experience the life God designed for you, follow Jesus. And if you want to follow Jesus, Jesus lived in community and has his followers, so should we. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. You've, you've designed us specifically for the life that you have for us. It's a life that rich and satisfying and abundant. You created us to flourish. You created us to thrive in this life. And so you know how we should do it. And so you've come to be a model for us and to show us how we should live. And so God, as we're getting into this year, I just pray that you'll remind us every week that we're, we're not supposed to just like you Right? Being a follower isn't just believing in you or knowing you. Being a follower means we follow you and we live like you live and we do what you did and we love like you loved. So will you please just show us how uh, through your model and empower us to do it through your spirit. And God, in this specific thing about living in community, I just pray that you'll show each of us the value of following you and trust you enough to join a life group or start a life group or get involved in a discipleship group or go to this marriage event or do something to experience Christian community. Show us that that is what it is to follow you. And as we do, I pray for what, I don't even have to ask for this because you've already told us that's the life you came to give us, a life that's rich and satisfying and abundant. So thank you for wanting that life for us. And thank you for making it possible. In your name, amen. Super quick, couple of announcements. So Easter at Ranger Stadium is on. So that's a thing. We had to jump through a lot of hoops this year, but we'll be having Easter at Ranger Stadium. So Smithson Valley High School at the football field, 10 o'clock Easter Sunday, be a whole bunch of people. It's gonna be crazy, loud, fast. 
7,000 Easter eggs for the kids afterwards. We'll give away T-shirts. It's going to be a fun, fun day. You know why we do that day? Two reasons. One, Jesus deserves to be celebrated, and his resurrection is that important. And number two, I call it side door evangelism. It's a way for you to invite your friends to something that they're not scared of, that they're not intimidated by, that doesn't feel awkward to them. Hey, come out to Ranger Stadium. You've probably been there. You've probably already gone there and cheered and jumped and acted like an idiot, but that was for football. This is for Jesus, so just come. It's an easy way to invite people in, and when they come, they'll say, man, those Christians aren't as bad as I thought. And then maybe somebody will meet Jesus. And so if you know somebody that's not going to church or that doesn't have a church home or that doesn't know Jesus, please invite them to Easter Sunday. And also be thinking about how you might help. It takes a ton of volunteers to do that. Last year, I think we had about 2,000 people. It takes a lot to take care of all those people. So think about how you could help us with that. Also, Good Friday, so that's the Friday before Easter, we'll be having a communion service at 6.30. And that one's not gonna be as much fun to be honest with you, we're going to try to experience a little bit of what the disciples experienced that night when Jesus said, this is it, it's going to happen, here's what we're up against, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper together and really try to understand what it meant for Jesus to literally die. And then on Sunday, we're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus is literally alive. So that's it. Think about those two things. Please join us. Please invite someone. Sign up for a life group before you leave today. <laughs> I'm not, not that I'm being all legalistic or anything, but you have to sign up for a life group. Uh, also, uh, the marriage event, really super important. I'm real, I'll be there. Mark is going to be there. I think we're even going to talk or something part of the time. So you should come to the marriage event. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will see you then. God bless you guys. Have a great week living in community.